The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who are in the trenches building them every day. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey, and today we're going to discuss strategic rebranding for improved market penetration. Joining us is Kevin Smith, who is the founder and managing member at Smash Brand. Smash Brand specializes in data-driven brand development for consumer packaged goods, it's the only agency that can generate performance lift as it processes and integrates strategy, design, testing, and other path to performance framework. Uh, yesterday, Kevin and I talked about rebanding for better market penetration. We talked a lot about package design and shelving design and how that should be different from kind of your social earlier in the funnel pieces. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. We talked about liquid death. We talked about Celsius. Today, we're going to talk about how brands can create distinction in their messaging it's almost always messaging as marketing, as we know. And I know a lot of marketers and non-marketers, they always shoot the medium and they say, oh, this didn't work or that didn't work. And, and we as marketers, I think, know better. We know it's typically about the messaging. So let's dive into that more with our CPG marketing expert, Kevin Smith, founder and managing member at Smash Brand. Welcome back, brother. Thank you. All right. Let's get right into it. We've warmed up yesterday. We're, really, we do these in one day, but we'll, we'll pretend like it was yesterday. <laughs> we've, we've warmed up. Let's jump right into it today. You know, how can brands create better distinction in their messaging? Good question. I think it's uh, super important. And I break this into two kind of different cells. A lot of early stage companies, this is where they miss a massive opportunity. And so an early stage company, they've got an idea for a new product to go into a category and what they do is, is what I consider convergence. They look at all the competitors and they start to show up and write messaging that sounds very much like everybody else. And of course, as you're talking about, that's a problem. They need distinction. What I like to call it, I think I stole this language from somebody who's wrote a lot of books, but it's really at that early stage, it's really about being what I consider a category pirate and creating a category within a category. And for that, the way that you use your words even if they're going to show up to the same thing as the consumer is saying zero carbs or something, you've got to language it in a way that sounds different. And I don't have an answer as far as how you do that. But what I know that you need to do is do that. So as you're, as you're a young brand and how we do it internally is the creative process is you will work on lots and lots and lots of options to say that key benefit product claim or RTB in a different or unique way. And then we test it to find out what's actually working because a lot of the ideas are bad. Oh, reasons to believe. So really it's like, yeah, right. We've got a, we got a position and a value proposition. And then why should I believe that? And it's like, here's the claims why. And then, oh, well, why should I believe that this is healthier? Oh, because we're organic, right? Like that's the reason to believe is healthier that aligns to the value proposition. I, I love what you said in 
category pirate. I think I might, whoever you stole that from, I'm going to steal it. I do it all the time. I, I I was at the ANA thing in Orlando and I stole like three things. And I, as soon as I heard, I'm like, I'm stealing that from you. I'm going to give you credit. That That's freaking awesome. But category pirate, I mean, everyone's heard, you know, I'll show me a great marketer or show you a better niche marketer. That's basically what you're saying. But category pirate sounds way cooler because it. I think it leads to sort of like revolutionary kind of speak, which should be differentiated in your marketplace. So to really think of yourself as a, what do you call it? A category, but you're just basically finding a better niche within within a category. Eddie Yoon, I had to look him up real quick. He's the creator of the language around category pirates, but 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 I mean, it goes back to marketing principles from along the way, but really I try to think of it as you got a new product, it's a category within a category, like Olipop, for example, right? It was, oh, we got this probiotic soda, but really what they're competing against is soda. So they're creating this new category within soda and the whole way they language is different and unique compared to soda and it works. What I love about just the word pirate in general, when you're thinking about messaging for your brand or the brands you're working with is I, I think um, Nike has a, has a great ethos and I love the work that Wyden did, of course. And I have a creative director that I've worked with for, I don't know, probably 10 years at my agency. He's freaking awesome. His name's Frank Ippolito. And he said something pretty profound as he was diving on to Nike and he like worships, you know, Wyden Kennedy, like every creative I've worked with over the years because they do amazing work. But he he talked about Nike and and that Nike as a brand isn't about doing something, it's about fighting against something. And so pirates fight, right? And so as I'm thinking about this, and I, I just think I would be in a better state of mind coming up with creative when I'm thinking as a pirate, because again, great brands are movements and movements are groups of people fighting against something. It could be the sameism, it could be diversity, it could be, you know, whatever it is. And so as you're thinking about a category pirate, then you you can reverse engineer, I think, your mindset into what are you fighting against? Maybe you're fighting against the energy drink sector like Celsius of not having a healthy option. Maybe you could be in the protein category of protein not actually getting to your muscles or something. I don't know, but I I, I love that. What was the guy's name again on category pirate? Because I, I think that's freaking odd. Eddie Yoon. All right, we gotta, we got to look that up later. Let's talk more. Um, this is helpful. Where else can we have better messaging to differentiate? I, I've always thought of, and I've brought this up on the show, you know, I, I don't think people, that adage of you don't need to really know your competition, like don't worry about your competition, worry about you. Like that doesn't work in marketing, I think, because to your point, I don't think it really creates distinction. You know, you need to understand your competition. You need to understand your RTB, as you, as you said it. I love that. And, and you understand like what consumer trends, like what consumers want in real time. And that's changing. And that's typically the opportunity. But how else would you recommend people thinking about and creating distinction for their messaging? Yeah. And I think you nailed it. I think as a, when I think back on my days as a brand owner, I always tried to not focus too much on the competition. When you do that, you start to kind of converge in on what they're doing and worry about it. So it's like, no, pay their own, like, like Apple, they don't look at the competition. They, they do, and, and they focus heavily on their core mission and they win. But as an agency, oh my gosh, you have to know the competition, right? Like so important, they're hiring you to beat that. When I think about really, really good distinctive messaging for me on the agency side, specifically in the context of packaging, it all comes down to brand positioning. And so for me, like it starts there. And it's like, if I'm, if I'm looking at any brand, it was creating my own brand or working on a brand, it's... When you sum that brand up into that smallest value proposition or brand position, I think at that, and right, if, if you're thinking like a category pirate, let's say, 
you know, this is this is who we are. This is how we're different. Like it's all summed up right there. So when a consumer reacts to that, they want it more than the other guys. Then all of the messaging from there on just has to manifest that value proposition and back it up. And the brands that I see that have like, again, the highest kind of trial rates are the ones that are really leaning into that and not trying to say everything that there is on the front of pack. It's just, this is how we're different. Like you get it. And then a few things that support that that are widely different than over here. And a couple things that also bring it in line with the category of it's a protein. It's like, oh, 20 grams of protein. Oh, it's just as much as these guys checkbox. That's the win. I agree. And I love it. And you know, one exercise is an agency we we use all the time, and it's it, it, it sometimes works really well, and sometimes pisses people off. But I, I think it's effective. Is we bring in ads from all their competitions in the category, and we put them all up on a wall, and we call it. And literally every time it, we call it sea of sameness, where everybody's looking the same, fonts are the same, colors are the same, they're saying the same thing. Especially in, in non-CPG, like if you look at like healthcare marketing is a great example, like all healthcare, like they're saying the same thing. And to your point, and I love the title of the show, distinction is everything I believe in marketing, you know, truly understanding why you're different. And the exercise of just going low, medium, and high and where you're playing, like, hey, I'm mid to high. Like I'm not premium brand like Ferrari, but I'm not low in Kia. I'm kind of premium plus. From a pricing strategy, and, and I guess sort of you're, understanding a position, but it's truly not really a position. It's just pricing. It's a start. And and so I'm amazed at really smart people that create great shit. You know, I've worked with scientists that have created great beverages. You probably do too. Like people that actually have figured something out and created something truly amazing, but it's really not distinctive in a category. Yeah. My favorite saying in the world, I stole this one from somebody too, but it's just the product sells the product. And it's that physical thing that's sitting there and it's funny because right before this, I, I just hopped off a, a presentation where we're rebranding one of the world's largest brands of protein and all those retailer audits came in and they were literally titled Sea of Sameness. And you looked at the healthy protein segment and everything's in a white container with a white label and you take that pack shot from Walmart or whatever and it's just a wall of white with no distinctiveness. And it's like, well, why? And it's the, the beginning of, of the answer as to why the brand is failing on increased growth is distinctiveness right? When everything looks the same. And I think a great example of that is the case study around Chiabani. If you remember that yogurt, when it first came out, it was like, yo play and all of these things there. And they were like, Hey, we're going to simplify this. They made a, a unique form factor and it was all white. It was very simple. When it came out, I was like, what's that? And then they just took off. But now you notice when you look at that set, everything started going to all white and simplified language. And then they had to rebrand again, which is what happens because they all converged on them. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I, I, I truly believe in terms of package form makes a big difference too, as you probably know, if you look at Fiji water versus competitors or, you know, really any other distinctive kind of just small packaging kind of difference, which is very expensive, but it, it gets some differentiation for sure. Yeah. If you want a couple of cool facts about, so there's a lot of a science around something called distinctive assets. There's the Bass Institute, I think is the one who's Jenny Romiak is her name tons of research into there, but they've now modeled out and proven exactly like if you're building a brand, the things that are going to have the highest payoff with distinctiveness, there's nine of them. Pack form is one. It's really, really high on the chart. If you can, if you can do that, the number one is actually a character. You can think like if I was asked to, you know, Hey, if I show you a tiger, you're going to instantly recall in your mind, probably cereal. 
Tony the Tiger. But yeah, character and, and pack form are two of the highest forms of distinctiveness you can have as a brand. That makes a ton of sense. And I'm a big believer in characters, like, you know, a lot of marketers. And I love back in the day, you know, I grew up on Tony the Tiger and Jelly Green Giant and Captain Crunch, you know, back in the serial day wars, you know, Disney, of course, and Disney's a client. So, you know, I bought into all that. But we had a guest on the day before yesterday. So right before you should really check out Maxwell is a guy's name. And he's, you know, award-winning filmmaker. I mean, he makes all his films on cell phones, which is pretty unique. And he has a whole story arc and follows, you know, Hollywood's story arc. And, and one thing he, he talked about is what makes great stories and what makes great performing brand stories now, especially in a social world, is all about a guide. And this kind of blew me away. And he talked about Star Wars as, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, they were, they were guides. And, and human beings love to see a struggle and then a guide get them out of the struggle. And a lot of brands, they're putting themselves as the champion of the story where they should be finding a guide that is helping the consumer be the champion of the story. And that's kind of the opportunity in the market. And it kind of blew me away and reframed my thought process around spokespeople, which now you see a lot of celebrities do that I'm a big believer in back in the day, heavy character. So, you know, what you said makes a ton of sense, but I, I was, I don't know why I wanted to talk about this because I, it, I had a great time on the podcast yesterday it was when really rethinking how I would set up a story and content, especially social as a brand where I would make the consumer the hero. They would find the brand that solves some problem in their life, but yet there would be some sort of guide helping them through that. And that's what's successful in terms of Hollywood story arc that's also relatable to brands. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that or you've seen that, but uh, you should check out that podcast for Maxwell. It's freaking cool. I have seen that. So there's a, a book, I think it's around eight years old. It's called Story Brands. And it's basically the framework. He's probably talked about that. It's the framework. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So I'm not a believer of Story Brand on PAC where I deal with, but I think it's amazing. Like I was mentioning, as you move up in traditional marketing of bridging it in then. Yes. And I'll tell you, even like when a, my last brand that I that I owned, I built all the marketing around. My business partner was like, hey, I read this book. You should check it out. And it was that book. And so we tried to figure out how can we make the consumer the hero in the story, not our product. It was my first introduction, but I am a big believer. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool. What do you think about, I mean, we're seeing more and more, probably more so in the beauty category and the alcohol and spirit category with celebrity back brands. But what is your thought of, uh, about that generally in consumer products and, and, and in your world, especially from a package design and, and shelving and strategy? Yeah. So I had a call today with the company who's got a major celebrity. And the first thing I told them is the celebrity doesn't matter for your packaging. It's like, I don't want that celebrity on it. Honestly, that's like, you're not going to see George Clooney on Casamigos packaging, but it's very powerful again, as you move into that emotional space across your other touch points, right on the end cap or whatever it is. The one thing that I think is amazing about celebrity is especially, I'm going to go on for like one minute here. Love it. Hit it. I'm not a big DTC guy. I've owned I've owned some DTC brands, but today I think it's very, very difficult in consumer packaged goods, maybe outside of luxury and cosmetics, but you're not going to sell a bag of popcorn online and like make very much money. It is so difficult from the customer acquisition costs and everything else to actually be very profitable. I look at these brands when they call that are DTC brands, they're doing $100 million, but they're $180 million in VC debt. For except, sure. Except for the brands they have a platform or a celebrity. Those are the ones that I look at when I look at their P&L and they're profitable. Like the celebrity factor is amazing. It doesn't have to do with my world so much, but such a powerful like gas on the fire. Agreed. And, you know, 
the days, in, in my opinion, of creating a D2C brand from scratch to 25, 50, $100 million are over. The people that have done that and been successful now are going into retail. If you look at Blue Diamond and, and all the others that were successful D2C brands, they, they didn't keep doing D2C and make high margins. They actually went to retail <laughs> because they built a brand and they, they knew the next step for scale and, and more eyeballs and actually cheaper cost per acquisition than paying Facebook and Instagram because the costs have gone way up and the data is not as good. So yeah, I, to your point, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, the most common call, I would say the most common call we get now is a DTC that has had success, at least in awareness. They might not be profitable yet, but they're like, we know our future's in retail. And then I just got, you know, countless of those where we've now been able to rebrand them for retail and they're super profitable now, doing great, you know, but that, but that's a, that's a common story. I got a couple of clients, well, I'll, to, I'll, I'll hit you up and talk about, because I, I, I don't do the retail side. I do the fun, creative side. That's the fun side. You know, it's what, what we've done. So I'll, I'll stick to it on the brand side, but yeah, no, I love it. This was, this was fantastic. I think we learned a ton. Any maybe last words or did we kill this? We kill this horse to death. We killed it. I appreciate you, Scott. Hey man, good to have a former Phoenix guy on from former Arizona guy, Kevin Smith. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find him, find the LinkedIn profile in our show notes. If you want everything about Kevin and don't want to take notes right now, maybe you're in the car, just go to rebrandpod. Dot com and we'll have all the summaries and episodes and contact information. It is your spot in case you miss something or your spot to maybe direct somebody who wants to be on the show or learn more. Rebrandpod.com. You can find me on social media. I love connecting with more marketers. It's just at Scott Harkey, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever else, TikTok. You'll, you'll, you'll find me just at Scott Harkey, H-A-R-K-E-Y. If you haven't subscribed yet, that's our, that's our KPI. I want to say five, 6,000 plus marketers that subscribe to the show because we want to have best and best marketers talking marketing and just no bullshit, like getting right down to the nitty gritty of, of brand and marketing. So that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. Bye.